0: Heels off the top. Larkham.
1: Herbert smashes through the middle. Griegan.
0: Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be to G'day and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast, the podcast that's getting you over the gain line with everything Australian rugby. Uh, we've got some very, I'm, um, I should say I'm Matt Rowley, so I've almost forgotten. It's been a while since I drove. They've given me the keys back just for a little while. Um, I've got some very special, uh, guests tonight. Um, as usual, I've got my, 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 my younger offsider uh, here, Hugh Cavill, mate. How are you? I'm good,
2: Matt. I'm good. Um, you know, I think, I think we did pretty well last week, but I mean, geez, wasn't it a bit, a bit petty by, um, by Reg and, uh, and Nick and Brett to go, uh, you know, try and one up us by doing a three hour podcast, uh, on the NRC. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're going to try and then up, up and get, get to the four five hour mark tonight, but, but maybe we'll see how we go.
0: Yeah. It was like the Blade Runner of podcasts. I hear they edited it down from the director's cut though. It was a five hour and they managed <laughs> the best bits in. Um, but, uh, look, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. We are going to talk NRC. Um, I did actually watch the final, and I've got to say, off the back of that, I had to revise um, my appraisal of the NRC overall. But we'll we'll talk to that later on when, when uh, Nick comes back on board. But we're going to kick off talking international. And who else would we have joining us ahead of the next England hit-out against the Wallabies? Um, but our friend of the podcast from... It's basically our Northern Hemisphere brethren podcast, The Egg Chasers. Uh, Tim Cocker, mate, how are you?
3: Matt, very, very good. Thank you. Last time you heard from me, I probably, um, well, yeah, I don't think I could have sounded any more smug, could I? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was,
2: it what was, what was you 11. Mean last time. Head. It's every time, I think, isn't it? I think it's just the jinx on now. It's been just, four, just to be clear. I think it's been four podcasts, four losses, I think is the record. Yes,
3: I think you're right. Just just to be clear as well, I just wanna just to clear this up. Um if anyone does check out Egg Chases, we we didn't do a five hour NRC uh, podcast.
0: <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering. Well, that's the Avicii Premiership, and uh, yes. been talking about Tail, isn't it? Is that is that's that's the five hour? Is that the five hour version? version?
3: Well, until well, until, I don't know whether any of uh, the Green and Gold gang have ever been banned from uh, an Australian rugby oh, yes. ground. <laughs> but but, Jay, but Jay <laughs> being JB, one of the other members, he has been banned from uh, an English Premiership rugby ground. So uh, there's a story there for another day. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, look, let's get into our five burning questions, uh, the first three of which we're going to have Tim to join us for. But So number one is going to be, what mark out of 10 do you give the Wallabies win over Wales? Um, uh, number two is going to be, which Wallaby or Welsh player caught your eye with a strong performance? Number three, who... Are the secret weapons and weaknesses for Australia and England with this weekend so Tim's going to give us the version, the lowdown on England uh, and we're going to come back at him uh, with the uh, ones on Australia uh, number four then um, after Tim, we let Tim go to finish his coffee, he's, he's, he's actually sat you're
3: sat there in bed mate, is that right? I'm sat in bed, well my job mate is revolves around rugby so it's been a busy weekend and yeah. Monday's my uh, my down day so I'm sat in bed
0: Okay, you're, you're replenishing there, um, and then we're going to get into a couple of uh, couple of questions. Which you know, Tim might not stay. For, you're welcome to stay and listen to, mate, because I'm, I'm sure you're pretty fascinated by um, the NRC. Uh, but
3: might might have to wash my hair. We'll
0: okay, see. okay, mate. So, what was our favourite moment from the NRC final? And then number five, should we be excited about Brad Thorne taking on the Reds after his Queensland country coaching? Um, so there we go. That's going to be this week's burning question. So, look, let's start from the top. What, Mark, out of 10, do you give the Wallabies win over Wales? I'm going to go to our guest here, Tim. Mate, out of 10, what would you give it and why?
3: Well, the context of this is you were playing against a Wales side in transition, so a win's a win. Let's be fair, and that's thirteen on the bounce. Uh, I mean, you, you bet you wish you could play your home games there at the yeah. Principality yeah. Stadium in Cardiff. Uh, but so I, I was impressed, but I'm not getting carried away. So I'm just giving it a six and a half. There's still plenty that they can uh, that Australia can improve on, but it was it was solid. But maybe six and a half stars, Maybe a seven. It's worth a seven. Seven.
0: Okay. All right. Nuzed it up. Rounded it up. Hugh.
2: I think Tim, that that's the state of most Wallaby supporters all the time. It's that sort of uh, happy, carried away, and I think that's that's been our default mode for the best part of two years now uh, since the World Cup. But um, it, it's look, I've I've watched the game um, a couple of times now, and look, I think I'm I'm probably going to go um, a seven and a half, uh, probably just with with uh, standard temptation to go to an eight. I, I, it was. It was a fascinating game, Matt. And, and before you know, I ask you for your mark. I'll, you know, it's, it's 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 a game of the stats, isn't it? And oh, we, you know, so I'll throw some at you just to set the they scene. Are, man, um,
0: they are crazy these stats for this game.
2: Wales tackled with a ninety-eight percent success rate. So I think they had something like a hundred and forty made for three missed. Um, whereas Australia's success rate was still pretty good, but it was around the eighty-five percent
0: mark. Um, so can I, can I just was, stop you there because that because that is nuts. Because it was actually they made 147 tackles out of 150 attempts. I don't think I've ever seen that. How is that even well, possible? Well, it is nuts. I think it's, I think it tells you two things.
2: But we'll, we'll get on to. I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll park that for a second because we're still right, in stats mode. I've still got my my mathematical sort of brain here. It's like the beautiful mind. I'm just numbers are coming before me. <laughs> um, uh, the penalties conceded where well, the Wallabies conceded, I think, 15 penalties to Wales. Is four. <laughs> So they've missed three tackles and they've conceded four penalties. Um, but the flip side statistic to that is the handling errors where Wales conceded, I think, 17 handling errors, made 17 handling errors and the Wallabies only make four. So, you know, we, we were coming up against brick wall defense that was really disciplined in the way that they were approaching the game. Um, but we played a really solid error, you know, relatively error free, um, game and we attacked with patience and, and we defended pretty well and we took our chances when they were on offer. We, you know, whether that's from the boot or from, um, you know, scoring those four tries that we did and, and having the ounce of luck with the Kurtley Beale try thrown in there. So look, I, I think it was a performance that we could be pretty happy with. Oh, you know, against the Wales team where a lot of people were probably talking them down in the lead up and looking at the team, there was certainly some inexperience there, especially in, in the back row. Um, and, and a couple of players in that back line, but you gotta say they really fronted up. And I thought that was a really impressive performance by the Welsh team. So, um,
0: yeah, it looks seven and a half. And, um, I think we can really hold our heads high. So, Tim, just looking at those stats, I mean, do, do they kind of describe the game you saw? And was that, did that surprise you what you saw Wales do?
3: It, it totally surprised me. And, well, I suppose there's one, one thing that I draw from that, and it was across the board with all of the Southern Hemisphere teams playing at the weekend, even even New Zealand uh, against France. The penalty count count ratio was pretty much two to one, uh, double the number by Southern Hemisphere sides over the teams. And this obviously is, this was the first game that Australia and the rest of the sides have been playing under these new law directives at the breakdown. So there's clearly... A, clearly a a thing there to think about and i suppose with that as a backdrop maybe i'd sort of take Hugh's point that it's a it's a stronger performance than maybe i've given australia credit for because very very rarely do you get that many penalties what would you say 14 to 4 or um and and a team come away with a win that normally describes a team that's under pressure and and losing and and that there's a lot of easy meters and territory you're giving up with so many penalties. So, yeah, I was I was really surprised to hear those stats, and especially with Australia's elusive running ability, Coravetti. I really really like that guy's rapid. I I, I was thinking, there's, surely there's more than three missed tackles. Yeah. So yeah, pretty amazing.
0: No, that no, it, it was amazing. Um, yeah, look, I. I I'm still trying to get my head around that, and I wondered, Hugh. It sounded like when you watched it the second time round, actually improved with age. Um, it's always funny how, you, when you watch something, you know, I guess, kind of in hindsight, so to speak, where the emotion is less out of it, and you're just watching as the game goes. Um, how did you? track with the whole point that basically possession and territory flipped between the two halves. So in the first half, Australia had 66% of the possession and 73% territory. In the second half, um, Australia only had 33% possession and 30% territory. Um, was that coming back into the match or did you feel that Australia was maybe, you know, was was happy to seed the ball and, and play without it?
2: I think it was a bit of both to be honest. Um, I think Wales certainly did pick up you know in, in that second half, especially towards the back end of the game where you felt like they were really trying to roll the dice and keep ball in hand and You remember in those last for probably fifteen minutes when Michael Hooper was off the field that the Welsh probably could have knocked over a few penalty goals there if they wanted to, but decided to keep the ball in hand, keep attacking um, and push for that try, given that they were thirteen points down so I mean that did I think alter the stats a little bit but um, the thing that, that made me more optimistic on the second viewing that I think was, in a few ways, that's a game the Wallabies lose. I think last year, the year before, you know, I think uh, for for a couple of reasons. I think firstly, um, they don't score on the on the cusp of half time. I think that that try that Michael Hooper scored was a really well worked try. That the key the the key um, factor of that for me was patience. We just um, we we kept. Uh, pounding the Welsh line. We tried some things and they didn't work, but we managed to, um, you know, keep possession and not lose the ball and not force a pass or not try something stupid. We kept possession of the ball and we worked through our phases and worked through our patterns. And then all of a sudden, we found Michael Hooper in a bit of space and he, you know, took, a, I think, what was a pretty pretty smart option, kept the ball in hand and scored the try. And, and, and that was a real momentum changer in the course of the game because instead of going into halftime four points up, we went in nine points up. And all of a sudden, you know, more than a score away, and I felt like we had a bit of breathing room. Um, and the second part, I think, where, where the Wallabies' um, past behaviours would be different was in that last 15 minutes when Michael Hooper was off the field, I just mentioned... You know the Welsh were pounding the line and they were pounding the set piece and the scrum and and to come away without conceding any points in that period um, certainly when we were down to fourteen was was a um, was a, a pretty laudable effort and I think we'll, we'll touch on set piece a bit later when we talk about the England game but um certainly the scrum was looking a bit vulnerable and the defence was looking a bit vulnerable but but to hold out um, and also thanks to some pretty sloppy Welsh errors as well but but to hold that out I think those those were the two sort of five to ten minute periods where the game was won by the Wallabies. Hugh, think...
3: Hugh, seriously, don't get carried away with holding Wales out from five metres out <laughs> yeah. They are the worst team five metres out in, in <laughs> international rugby. They cannot get the ball over the line from five metres, and that's been a problem of theirs for years. So I, I would just, like, that's standard. Hugh, that's standard.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it took, a, it took poor Jonathan Davies, it seemed the only Welsh back that looked, you know, he, he was a class above, and then tragically in that I hope he's not too, well, I don't, depends on, I suppose, what side you're looking at it from. But I mean, that injury in the last minute was a, was an absolute heartbreaker for, for Welsh fans um, because mm. he, he's there, you know, he's an amazing player. He's world 15
0: standard, that bloke. Yeah. Now that looked like cruise or something. Gone what, like what's
2: it. your mark out of 10, Matt? You haven't, haven't uh fronted up yet.
0: Yeah, mate. Look, I, I, I would have not it up a bit, a bit above seven, but I don't think I could have rounded it up to an eight. Um, I'd say what I liked about it, and it's something that we've been seeing creeping into Australian play, uh, throughout the year, um, just before it gets dashed by the Poms. Um, but is <laughs> that, um, that we started to, I think they've been slowly building more into the play and sort of different options, different attacking options, different options with the ball. Um, and that's just come with more and more, I guess, control and composure. And I think, for example, we started to see, um, di- different um, attacking options through kicking, for example. Um, you know, we saw a few good sort of grubber kicks that really tested, and and one or two of them, I think there was that little uh, diagonal cross grubber kick from Foley in the second half, um, which kind of got battered back, Corabidi, someone else, I think it was a forward, ended up crashing over in the end. Um, you know, it, little options like that, that they weren't those kind of, oh, I've got nothing else to do, so I'll just kick it type thing. But it was actually just good ways of, you know, trying to find a way around that, um, you know, pressure Welsh, de- Welsh defence. Um, so it's things like that. I actually thought there was another thing I threw out on Twitter today, which was we used a lot of high balls. So I think we kicked 23 times out of hand, whereas um, the Welsh only kicked 14 times. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of high contestable kicks for Corribietti and and um, to chase, uh, for example. Um, not something traditionally that you know, we've been particularly good at. I mean, the, the, the Tars at their peak in 2014 were able to do it. And I feel like this Wallaby team is kind of getting to that point where, you know, they can start to do that too. So you could see those things in their game where, because, you know, I mean, Tim would have seen it, you know, that shock horror, you know, uh, you know, triple test match that we had down here, uh, that tour, which I've almost expunged from my mind. I can't even remember which Shock, shock was,
3: horror? That. that was it was incredible. I loved it. Uh, but um, shock horror about that
0: the, the rope a series, right, which, which yeah. Eddie said himself, you know, when there was only there, – there was one tactic and that was it, and it was which was just a run, run, and run some more. And I just feel like we're seeing a little bit more start to come through. And so, anyway, that was the – that's why I kind of nudge it you know, above a seven. And I actually think that's the only reason why we won it, if you look at all those stats, um, was that we kept composure. And I kind of felt like the Curtly try – you know pushed us past and and and, but i even kind of felt even without that i still felt that we would have got home i don't know why i just the guys seemed composed, and seemed to me they didn't even have to go for the top gear um so anyway so that's why i kind of got it to a seven um but just before tim before we move on from that you mentioned the new um ruck or tackle area laws yeah so what's happened there what's the what's 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 the change that we're seeing
3: so the, the, it's a relatively small change but significant and it could it could affect guys like you know the guys like Michael Hooper so uh, when a when a tackler has made a tackle whereas before he could get back up and there was no off sideline and mm. so could be right in the middle of a ruck and you know Hooper would have pilfered a lot of ball that way actually now there is an off line, and you still have to come in through the gate Right. quote unquote. so you you still have to start from your own side even if you're the tackler getting up off the floor which which it means it, it makes it a lot lot easier to just retain the ball and there's a we've noticed in the domestic rugby and in the international rugby uh, since that law came in at the start of the year there's been a lot less jackling on the ball and a lot more phase play keeping the ball and retaining it so Um, it's slightly changing back row play, ever so slightly, just favouring the attacking side. So definitely one to watch.
0: Mm, That's interesting. I think actually, I think um, a checker side will probably quite like that because they they love the continuity. But if that's if we can get our head around it in the first place um, from a defensive point of view. All righty. So look, just while we're... um Before we uh, drill this Wallaby Welsh test to death, question two was which Wallaby or Welsh player caught your eye with a strong performance? So, Tim, who stood out to you, mate?
3: Well, I'll say – firstly, I'll say caught my eye and then leave off the strong performance, although it wasn't a bad performance, but caught my eye. Um, Karevi's 80s NYPD cop Tash caught my eye. (laughs) Uh, but uh, uh, other than that, you you mentioned him a moment ago, and I've I mentioned him, uh, Corabietti. I've not seen a massive amount of this guy. Yeah. Electric. He's just one of those guys that when he gets the ball, you sort of feel the whole crowd just take a, take a breath.
0: Wondering yeah, what's t- going to happen? He's a total dynamo, isn't he?
3: Yeah. it's uh, And it's um, just a really exciting, someone that gets the crowd on their feet. And having that X-factor unpredictability a little bit of fairy dust that you can sprinkle every now and again is, is what can make the difference in, in games, it, which is this, exactly what you could say for Curtly uh, for Steele. Um,
2: <laughs> that, can, was uh, uh, that was phenomenal.
3: That was, yeah. I've, I've never seen anything like that in a game of rugby. No. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was amazing the fact that there were still Welsh players looking the other direction when he was 20 meters <laughs> yeah. on his way to the line.
0: Yeah, but, but even Curtly had that look on his face like, is this actually happening? Surely this can't be legal. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of thing. You know, as he jogged and then did that little crafty drop kick as soon as he could, kind of figuring, I don't know if I've got away with this or not, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to lob this bugger over if, as fast as I can.
3: So that, that's what I really enjoyed about the the Australian performance, it, and, and not necessarily it wasn't seen so much against Wales, but something that will be important when you get to World Cups and you might only have one chance, one moment. Um, getting all those basics in play, and as you identified, Matt, the the kicking game was, was much more mature and very New Zealand-esque, actually. Everyone talks about New Zealand's incredible attacking play. All they are is just ruthlessly efficient, but they actually yeah. kick more than most international teams. But but having guys like that with that X factor, and that's even without Izzy Falau uh, in the mix as well, that's that's what can win you really tight games when the in the pressure cooker. So that's what impressed me about Australia.
0: Yeah I mean you talk about Corobetti I think one of the things that um you see more and more from him he's got these like yes give him the ball um especially with uh not a lot out from the try line and he's he's incredibly hard to stop but I think the other two phases of his or facets of his play I mean last week Hugh and I were talking about his pick and drives um you know for a winger you don't usually see guys really picking and driving in tight he loves the stuff um which is really which is really bizarre. I don't think we saw too many this weekend, but it's been a real feature of his play. But the other one is, and I think it's very Brian Habana-esque, um, and it was about the time when the when the box were really, um, you know, a force to be reckoned with. And that's the, that's the contestable kicks. Um, you notice both off the kickoffs, but then also off those um, high kicks um, to the sidelines that um, Foley was putting in. And Corabietti is like, he's, he's absolutely phenomenal at chasing those down. So, um, Usually takes, usually brings the, uh, the 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 receiver down, gets his timing right, um, and is just absolutely ferocious at getting in there. And it's really kind of changed that facet of the of the Wallabies' play. Like I was saying, suddenly this is something that we can do. Whereas before it was just a aimless giving the ball back and you know, give him a chance to run. Um, He's really putting him under pressure. So it's amazing how something like that can really turn a whole facet of the game around. Um, And that was, you know, I think Brian Habana, that was just one of his skills that he he used to bring out nonstop. Um, Hugh, mate, who caught your eye?
2: Well, quickly, just to touch on Korobiti. I mean, the the other thing, I mean, his defense is is the other facet. And I'm just wondering, he's so enthusiastic with everything that he does and actually kind of cost us on the first Welsh try to Steph Evans when he just... Had a pretty simple, actually. Sort of, he should have just shepherded him into the corner and tackled him out. And what he ended up doing was sort of flying through too quickly and slipping, and easily letting Steph Evans come inside him and, and score a try. But on the on the flip side, um, his tackle for Hallam Amos on on the the last Welsh try, where he should have had no rights to be where he was, and and, Hall and Amos should have scored that try easily. But Correbeed flew out of nowhere and just almost got him into touch and. Probably, you know, arguably did stop the try, but uh, nonetheless was awarded. So um, I'm, I'm a bit worried with those contestable kicks, Matt, that he's going to fly through and take someone out in the air. Um, and we mm. might be getting closer and closer to that time, but uh, until he does, um, yeah. it's great to watch. Um, I've got to switch the focus back to the forward pack because I think probably that's where the game was won and lost for, for the Wallabies. And um, the guy who's just, again, um, speaking of of old you know, I think which Matt, you might touch on old guys who are discovering their best form. Um, Tatafu, Pawada now just is, is mm. in a rich vein at the moment. And not only, you know, do you remember Matt years ago? And it, it seems like a bit of a distant memory now, but the knock on Tatafu was always can't throw good around the field, can't throw, you know, True. and, and I think, you know, he got, I think he had one not straight. of of 14 or 15 throws and this season he's probably had three or four but you know certainly less than one a game and for for a hooker um like tatafu that's a fantastic record and our lineup has been um, one of the real low-key sort of strengths of, of the year. And, and I think we'll talk about it in the next question, I think, against England because that's where it's going to be tested out. But um, it worked really well. And his his performance around the field, he made an amazingly good covering tackle um, in the lead-up to the Welsh first try um, on the half halfback um, there. And that was really impressive. And, and um, he um, then came out and... Um, Scored a, you know that really nice mall try. He just had a you know great involvements around the field. I I, I just love what he's doing and and hope he can continue it against England.
0: Yeah, no, he um, he did have a great game. Um, look, the, the 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 person I'm going to throw in here, and oh, we've we've all gone for Aussies, which is maybe uh, a little bit predictable. Sorry, Welsh listeners, but um, is is actually going to be Will Genia. So um, I think Gibbo on Twitter said, has there been a bigger form turnaround than Wilgania's, um, over this season. Uh, and he's gone from sort of, I don't know, slightly injured out of, you know, out of shape guy from, um, who've been playing Northern Hemisphere or whatever else. Um, and then he's, you know, I, I don't know what's happened. just over this season. He's, he's back to career best form. Um, absolutely unbelievable. Completely gelling with Foley. They're playing together really well now. But the one thing that kind of, just summed up that whole match was that skip pass that he did like a meter out from the Welsh line into Coleman's bread basket um and that was almost like another one of those Kirtley Beal the Kirtley Steel moment when you know I think all of the Welsh team was that where's the ball gone?" and all of a sudden Coleman's just jogging over the line completely untouched um because Genia just picked him out um absolutely beautiful pass uh, magic I don't know how you I don't quite know how you do that, <laughs> and I don't think the Welsh did either. Um, but uh, you know, his service has been you know, f- you know, absolutely beautiful. It's fast. Um, he's around the he's around the pitch. He's a he's a menace. Then there was that little left-footed kind of grubber. He didn't oh, touch. I hope it was that? I mean, you know, when there was nothing on, um, and just you know, squirted it over the, the line. I mean, yeah, he's he's really at his best, and that's you know, it's 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 a. It's a great sign for us when he's playing like that.
3: Got Um, to be a witch doctor or something involved in that turnaround. It's it's (laughs) it is incredible. uh, And and from an from an English fans perspective, uh, we've been loving the nines that you've been putting up against us in in the last couple of years. So I am definitely a little bit a little bit nervous with Genya being back to form.
0: Yeah, yeah. and have you have you noticed his his pick up and form as well, Tim?
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. It was it was evident. Uh, well, because we certainly noticed his his dip in form, and mm. uh, yeah, Aussies without a, a strong nine just it just isn't right. It's um it's part of your part of your DNA going back okay. years, and it, and it, and it has been a a big contributing factor to not quite being as fluent in the last couple of years as, as you have been in the past.
0: Yeah, but before we move on, people who should have caught our eyes. Just having a casting an eye over the stats. So we talked about how Wales made 150 tackles and he missed three. Um, uh, is it? Sorry, um, what's Navidi's first name? Is it Josh? Josh. Josh. Yeah, he made 18 tackles. Um, I was about and, to shout.
2: I was about to give him a shout out, mate. That's actually quite uncanny because I was going to just chip in before we moved yeah. to England. Well, you mentioned all of our Welsh listeners, and and um, hello to all of them in, in their thousands. Um, but um, the Josh Navidi is is either the guy. Someone said before the game that he was their sort of Welsh fourth or fifth string
0: seven, and not to yep. expect too much. I thought he was fantastic. Well, well he made yeah. eighteen tackles and didn't miss one. <laughs>
3: yeah, w- Warburton, um, Tipperick. And, um, yeah, there's a, I've got brain farted the other seven, but he's at least fourth choice, which is pretty amazing depth in that particular position. But they just wish they could have a bit more depth in other positions, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. So, look, let's stop talking entree, though, and uh, let's, yeah. let's move to the main meal here this weekend. We've only got one question, but I think we could probably roll about three or four into this. Um, this is the one. So, uh, you know, I... As much as I'd like to downplay this, this is the game that decides the Wallabies year. Um, I would say about now we're kind of thinking, you know, it's, 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 they've turned it around, started as a shocker, it's got better, you know, beaten New Zealand, um, you know, put away Wales, but come on, you know, that's 13 in a row. That's not a big one. The other big scalp this season uh, is got to be England. That's, uh, this weekend, um, is gonna be absolutely massive from that perspective. It's all riding on this. There's so much pride, there's the team's pride. Surely there's Checker's pride riding on this one as well. Sorely bested by um, you know, his old pal, Eddie Jones, uh, of you know, of, of late. So there's got to be so much riding on this. I think they must be using this as their target game. So with that in mind, I'm gonna kick off with who is the secret weapon for England, Tim? and who do you suspect um, as your weakness? So I don't know. Have you got a good idea, first of all, who you reckon the team is most likely to be this weekend?
3: Absolutely, yeah. It will be very similar to the side that played against Argentina with a couple of notable exceptions, which is two of England's world-class players, of which we have a few, um, but two of them weren't involved, were rested after their involvement with the British and Irish Lions over the summer, Mario Itoji and Owen Farrell. Crucial players in the, one in the forwards, one in the backs. Are they definitely massive, out? No, no, they're not out. They were rested against Argentina, okay. so they would they will be back. All
0: oh, right. Uh, which Shit.
3: will? Which yeah? Which <laughs> will? That it's Owen Farrell in particular is. I mean, I, I couldn't possibly class him as a secret weapon because everyone knows about him and that he is. It's not just the he's a world class player. He has that that mental just that. mental fortitude you just kind of feel with him in the sides you're always you're always in it you're never out he's just the mental toughness of the guy is incredible so um delighted to have him uh, back in the 15 but no my secret weapon for England is I'm going to I'm going to call it Anthony Watson because there's a question mark over Mike Brown's fitness who went off injured against Argentina And, and there's always been a bit of a worry for England if are we strong enough at 15 at, at fullback? And, and if something happened to Mike Brown, who would play there? Anthony Watson played there for the majority of the game and was in a really turgid England performance, was a was was a real bright spot. He looks like a 21st century fullback, that, that ability to, to hit the line at, with pace in a kind of Izzy Falau fashion. He, he, could, he has frightening attacking potential. We've seen that on the wing. But at fullback, could be a little bit. It could be a new era for England. It could be a, another evolution in our play. I reckon. So that's my secret weapon.
0: Mm. He's, he's definitely got that spark. I mean, he's hard to put down. He's always a, he's always a worry when he gets his hand on the ball. So potentially having you know uh, more touches and even maybe a little bit more space um, could be a bit of a worry. Um,
3: who are you worried about, mate? From come on, there's got to be someone. Ball carriers. Um, I, I'm, I'm worried. So, Billy Vanapola is is out on on a, injured till the end of the year, mm. and he's the first choice number eight when fit. And he does an incredible amount of workload with ball in hand. Another one of our genuine world class players. If something happens to him, we've had Nathan Hughes backing him up, which and he and he was he was excellent against Argentina at the weekend with his, with ball carrying. If something happens to Nathan Hughes, I'm not sure uh, where we go from there, and. England's game is built on the, start, the the basics, huge set piece, massive defence, and then winning that gain line battle to get in momentum. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned about how many ball carriers we have, and and I'd also sort of allied to that the predictability. So England can be like a juggernaut, and we're we're, we're going to move towards your line A to B slowly, predictably, and you're still not going to be able to stop us. Is is quite a lot of how, how how we have played and we, we have players to do that but, but the guys that have that x factor uh, have have that uh, that exciting element we do have some but they haven't been firing guys like jonathan joseph not in a good vein of form and i think you, we might need that to break australia down so that's a little bit of a worry but from the flip side and another uh, another secret weapon or maybe it's not a secret weapon because eddie jones calls them the finishers and he's made a big thing about his bench england 's bench is immense i mean you 've got you 've got starting playing incredibly well and you 've got a guy like Ellis Genge who might be an unknown quantity coming off the bench explosive guy uh, Alex Lizovsky might be an unknown name sounds like he 's a New York cop himself um, <laughs> but but he is explosive. Owen Farrell understudy off the bench, Courtney Laws coming off the bench, an explosive, huge impact player. So I think the last 20 minutes, Wales had nothing to bring to Australia. England will go through the gears in the last 20.
0: Mm, That's that's fascinating. And who's likely to play? be playing nine.
3: It'll be Ben Youngs, again, with Danny Kerr uh, as his understudy. And I know he, he always plays well against Australia, Ben Youngs.
0: He certainly does. I was, I was, that's yeah. another oh shit. Okay. Uh didn't need to hear that. Um Hugh, what about for us, mate? Who
2: there's, there's a touch of there's a touch of arrogance in there, isn't there? In the, the the weakness that Tim said was um their one weakness is if their number eight goes down, then they might struggle <laughs> for a, like you know? a ball right. <laughs> as far as weaknesses go, you're not giving us much there, are you? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. That's a fair point.
2: <laughs> um well look i i on the other hand can give you a few wallaby weaknesses in terms of in terms of strengths i think the thing the thing is i don't know uh you said anthony watson and and you know he's he's by no means secret and i think these two teams have played each other still you know uh, over the last 18 months four times and we've seen also a lion series in that time where once again we've seen a lot of the english players um quite prominently so there's not a huge amount secret between both sides. The Wallabies haven't changed a huge amount, as you would have seen, Tim, since, since that, um, in terms of the personnel anyway, in terms of that, um, 2016 season. I think there's, there's probably two guys that have either come onto the scene or certainly improved in the time, and I'll leave one for Matt. Um, but the guy I think I'll, I'll, I'll probably highlight is, um, is Sean McMahon. Um, who a lot of english english uh, viewers might have seen uh he, he played the third test um in sydney uh last year and and he sort of was sort of very green at the time and has had his first real international season and has sort of gone from strength to strength every game and he's a big hard ball running number 8 um but he's very mobile. He's an ex-sevens player, and and he has been given a bit of license to to go hard at the ruck, and you'll see him fly in on a number of clean outs. And he's he's the guy that is the real enforcer around that space. And so that that's a sort of a, someone I'd, I'd I'd say for our English listeners to watch. And and he's known for his his big efforts late in games where he'll he'll. You know, he's a small pocket battleship kind of guy and you'll think, how is he still going? You'll have eight, you know, three or four guys hanging off him and he'll beat three or four other tacklers and, and somehow keep going. He's that sort of a guy. So, so he's the one I think is probably our, our hidden strength. And in terms of weaknesses, um, there's, there's a few. I think it's probably time to talk set piece because, the scrum, you know, I think the line-out's been solid and it'll probably get its sternest test against England, but the scrum is probably, it could be an Achilles heel. I mean, always you'd say for an Australian team it always is the Achilles heel, but certainly in the last two or three years it's, it's gotten a lot better. Um, I think what, um, what we're a bit worried about is Wales exposed us a little bit. I think we had some good scrums and bad against them. I, don't, I, I think... Be, you know they got on top slightly. It wasn't a, a dominant performance by the Welsh. But as you would well know, the Welsh scrums, no great shakes anyway. So I think we were a bit tested by, by Argentina and South Africa and largely came through those ones and New Zealand as well. We haven't had any real scrum. We haven't been completely dominated in any scrums this year. But um, I think this could be our, our, our biggest test that um, I don't know if you'd agree with me there. But I think the scrum, it, it's a pretty obvious one, but uh, it's probably the one I'm most worried about.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about that last week. I, I thought the whales were going to have a good target at that. I think they did, and I think they tried to play silly buggers, but I don't think they quite had it in terms of, um, sort of, you know, enough go forward or rap cunning cheatery, which I think, uh, the poms are going to bring both in spades. Um, and I, and you know, Eddie's the, the master of, of, he knows, what our kryptonite is, because he's, he, he got a good dose of it when he was coaching, um, Australia. And I think he's going to, he's going to bring that as hard as he can. Um, and so that's going to be fascinating. I'm actually just trying to figure out right here. I'm just looking right now to see who the ref is. Um, I don't know if anyone has, who knows uh, who, who that is. I can't find it on the site that I'm on at the moment, but you know, I think that that could play, um, oh, I think
2: it's the, I think it's a Frenchie. I, I, I seem no, to remember reading it. Let, leave it with me.
0: Okay. Oh, anyway, dear. anyway, that's, that's a lottery, right? But one of us is going to suffer yeah. from that. Um, look, I, I think um, in terms that, like, so then our hit, like, our secret weapon that you might not have seen a lot of, although you would have seen him in the last match, is is the boot of Reese Hodge. Um, you know, just mm. put put over the penalty from towards the touchline on what? So he must have been close to what fifty-five plus meters out. Um, and just absolutely slotted it, so we 've known for a while that he 's got this howitzer of a boot um, from both from hand and from t, but he uh, just in this tour and this, this year in the internationals they 've started giving the ball to him a little bit more and he started to slot them and you know we We all know what happens when you can do that right, so you know when you can be when the opposition can be sticking penalties over from there. Half of the field suddenly changes things. Um, And I suspect that this is going to be a fairly tight affair. It could be, you know, quite an arm wrestle. I think there's a lot on the line for both sides. And so, you know, just both the points, but then also um, just what that does to to match play could be really fascinating. And again, another string in the bow for the Wallabies where they haven't had. So you probably remember um, uh, Tim as well is like, you know, Bernard Foley's got a real pop gun kick. We can barely get us out of our half. Means that even if you give away a penalty in our, in our 22, you know, we, we're not going to get out of our half and you've got the ball probably back around our halfway line. Um, you know, uh, Reece Hodge can, you know, put, you know, can put you back another 50 metres or, or another 25 metres on top of that. Completely changes the whole thing. So that really brings a different dynamic. Uh, and so hopefully, um, he can bring that. Um, who, who's the weak point? Well, I actually think – I haven't had a chance to really get into any analysis, but I think I saw a couple of examples of this. I tweeted it, um, I think, the night before on Friday night, which was I was not looking forward to seeing Samu Karevi start at 12. Um, I think he's got big defensive question marks. Um, I think that got um, exploited by you guys in that uh, test series. He's been exploited since, and if he starts at 12 – um, I've got a real worry about that uh, because I think we'll, you know that will be causing us headaches all over the place. corbetti isn't completely solid yet in his defensive positioning. Um, like you say, Hugh, when he gets a clear hit on somebody, he's fearsome, but he keeps he still gets caught out. He's still not 100 percent sure what, what, you know, where he should be and what he should be doing. And you put both him um, and um, Karevi in the same back line, and I've got all sorts of worries. So, yeah, that would be my my fear or my worry for the match uh, going into the weekend. Um,
2: can, I, can I quickly pick up on that quickly for a second, Matt, because I, I foreshadowed at, at the first question the reason why the Welsh missed so few tackles, and, and the reason why that is, I think, or one of not only because of their accuracy, but because – Because we were too, so direct in our play that we never really forced them to make decisions in defence. And you saw our set piece off the back of scrums and we had three or four where, you know, normally this season the Wallabies would probably try something to, to either, you know, spread the defence and, and look for, look for a hole in midfield or, or do something with a second, second man runner and go wide. Um, where we were just going blunt sledgehammer stuff every time. You know, we were running Karevi or Kurandrani in at the Welsh, you know, um, midfield. And so that was one of the reasons why they didn't have to make any any missed tackles because we never pushed them wide. We just kept going hammer, hammer, hammer. And, you know, it it was very one-dimensional. And I think, Tim, what you'll see coming into this game is I think you'll see Carmichael Hunt be selected at at inside centre, which will probably make out, you know, hopefully – Give our attack a little bit more width, and he was coming back from a neck injury, which is why he started from the bench. But I think mid-season we showed uh, Michael Checker showed his hand, and he likes Carmichael Hunt a lot, and I think you'll see him start at twelve.
3: Do you know why I like uh, Carmichael Hunt the most? It's because it's a case of when, not if, a commentator accidentally <laughs> drops, yeah. drops a C bomb saying his name. Yeah, before in Australia.
0: The, the the countdown is on. Um, yes, it
2: is.
3: Oh, by the way, it's Ben O'Keefe, New Zealander, yeah, in the game.
2: That worries me even more than a Frenchie. He's very inexperienced, Ben O'Keefe, and he refereed us in South Africa, I think, against Springboks. And and he, look, he, he probably let the game get away from it at a certain point. It didn't disadvantage either side. But I think considering, I would, I would consider this to be the biggest test of the November internationals um, certainly in terms of the yeah it's number two and number three against each other. Um, the fact that we don't have Nigel Owens or or uh, you know another experienced um, high profile referee. It
3: could be Yakko Paper. Pretty... Let's be let's be honest. It could be yeah. worse. It could well, be a lot worse. Exactly. <laughs> and too. can I can I just give a mention for the get the guy who officiated Glenn Jackson who officiated Wales Australia. The moment where Gareth Davies was was having a little moan on the floor, having a little whinge. And <laughs> yeah, said, that was great. Get up and play on. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that, that was uh, that that was excellent. Um, just so Tim, have we got to the bottom of why, you know, England has been too gutless to play New Zealand for the last five. Years? <laughs> Can we, can we? Can we know? But I mean, no. Seriously, though, is, is it? Is it? A, is it a Mexican standoff, or is it about money, or what was it? Because that is the biggest. That was the biggest omission from, surely any test match schedule that we've seen. Like it's been like three years, hasn't it? What is it?
3: Yeah, yeah, it has. Not since. Yes, yes, it, it is, and I, I'm scratching my head as well. I mean, from a if you if you were comparing it to like boxing prize fighters or something it's amazing marketing because it's going to be built up into this box office encounter if england can stay as the the world number 2 side and potentially stay unbeaten until next autumn but uh, this this is the uh, it means that this game against australia for england is again a year defining game because and i don't want to sound arrogant i think to show progression we haven't just got to beat australia we've got to to win and be dominant and there be no and that's not to suggest that australia aren't a strong side but it's because we don't have the the, quali- the quality of opposition that's stepping it up a level from where we've been the last couple of years so i'm scratching my head i think most english fans are scratching their head but let's remember new zealand are complicit in this it's not england running scared i can tell you that <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: well no look with, without
0: any facts that for all we know that 's the truth mate, or but you know or maybe it 's New zealand running scared i don 't know which of those is more likely um that take your pick but mate how how is the eddy train going is it is everyone still on top people more everyone still climbing aboard
3: I think so yeah uh it's it sort of um was delayed in the station at the weekend the eddy train um it wasn't a great. It was it was a poor performance for England. But they've not played in six months together, and it was the first game. They're quite often rusty in the first autumn international. I expect a very different England side. I don't know if you saw the clip of Eddie Jones losing his <laughs> shit. Um,
0: oh <laughs> who, was he, a... who was he swearing at at that point? Who, 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 oh, who it was who was going to cop it, that? It
3: was it was just a, a couple of team errors. Just a really. A really poor exit, a really messed up line out. Um, it was a couple of things in a, in a row that, that got it. But yeah, just obliterating his notebook uh, with the close-up camera. But uh, really, real, real intense fella, isn't he? And I think what, what he has been working on the last couple of years is, uh, the, and the, the D England defence coach has been saying, we, we we think we've made ourselves bulletproof now. Um, so they've been work, they've been building those foundations but now with two years to a World Cup this is where we wanted to see and are still hoping to see this autumn the next layer, a bulletproof defence, rock solid set piece but now we need something extra, we need the next layer so we haven't seen that yet and this is going to be a big test this weekend and that, that's, that's what England fans are wanting to see.
0: Did you hear that Hugh? Rock solid and bulletproof mate
2: chance, and you know what i think um oh look i think we should just cede to tim and i'm look i think it's time for tips and i'm tipping england by 20 i think you know it's um it's i think we've got to ch- change the the tone of these podcasts and change up our game and go for the old reverse jinx and um and if, if that's the case look but in all seriousness though i think um i think england are the better side and i think you know the wallabies have had a good year but i uh, you know this will probably be the best indication of really where they're at in in the world rugby order and i think there's still a bit of a gap between you know third which is where the wallabies rightfully are now and then the two teams at the top um England and New Zealand and i think there's a gulf there and and you know i i think i hope that we'll push it and make it a close game and and play well but um I think England have got still too much class and, and looking pretty fresh and blowed out, you know, uh, blew away the cobwebs against Argentina and didn't look great, but I think they'll be better for the run. So and
3: I, let me be clear. I don't, I don't want to be, uh, thought of as a, as an arrogant pom. You've got to remember this is, we're two years from a World Cup and England have been the number two side for a while now. And we're, if you're looking to win the World Cup, then the, then the sort of things I've been saying, like you've got to be rock solid, bulletproof. And then what's next? And we have to beat we have to beat Australia and beat them strongly. That, that's that's what a team aspiring to win a World Cup has to say. I'm, I'm, I might be being an arrogant pom, but mm. I, I think it's also realistic.
0: So what you're saying is you're really aiming to peak between the World Cups. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's what I'm hearing there. But mate, so, so for this weekend, go on then, what's your, what's your prediction? What do you reckon?
3: Uh, I think England will win. I, I agree with Hugh that we'll, we'll just have too much in our locker. And again, I think that what... What Wales couldn't bring, England will bring in the last twenty minutes with real quality off the bench. Mm. So I think England will win, and I think we will win. It won't be a, a twenty-point win; it will be a England by eight.
0: Oh, okay, that is yeah, that's feeling pretty sure there. Look, I, I'm not going to rock this. I'm, I'm with you, Hugh. Um, we're not gonna, we're going to reverse jinx this one. Um, but no, se- but you know, seriously, there. If I really think about it and search my heart of hearts, I think we haven 't really been properly tested in the uh, in the set piece uh, you know like we are used are due to, and um, yeah, I think even line out and or scrum could both go wrong for us, and I think either of those going wrong in a really big way would be enough to tip this, what I think otherwise could be a pretty close test. I think it's going to be pretty phenomenal. I mean, the physicality that um, England always brings, and I think that's something that we've been building, especially in attack, um, is going to be really, really interesting. But I think Eddie's going to have a couple of things up his sleeve. Um, Just wondering, has the mind game started yet, Tim? Have you seen anything on that side?
3: No, both coaches have pretty much just said uh, when asked, you know, about the other, I don't really care what he thinks or says. I'm just focused. They're, they're 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 just blanking each other. So if that's a mind game, then yeah. But I don't think we that just to not not say anything that could be misconstrued <laughs> or wind it up.
0: Ah, oh, damn, that's boring. Um, yeah. Okay, well look, I, I, mate, we're gonna we're gonna let you go so you can go get your um your, your second your second cup of coffee there. Um, thanks thanks for joining. We're gonna get you on afterwards. I mean, it's that's that's the that's the. That, that's the thing that's the deal isn't it no matter how high win world, lose or to draw yeah yeah right. Uh,
3: only right um hands around the world um in solidarity whatever um so yeah looking forward to it should be a good one and um yeah top speaking to you lads
0: good one Tim. speak to Tim. you soon, mate. see you when you've lost Right. <laughs> so yeah, it could be another few years. All right. Always great to catch up with Tim and to have him on, uh, from the egg chasers. If you haven't, you should check them out. They're a great podcast. Um, if green and gold rugby was in England form, English or so, you know, British form, I would hope it would be in the egg chasers podcast, except I think that might be a fair bit better. Um, so joining us now, um, Nick, from the booth, mate, you're gonna are you gonna come on in and talk a bit of NRC.
1: Absolutely, more than happy to jump in and talk NRC. Hopefully, we uh, well, it'll, it'll it'll it won't be the marathon. It will be last time, but uh, it was uh, it'll work. Keen for it, keen as hell to talk about. It was a really awesome final.
0: Yeah, well, look, we've been wanging on like for quite a while now. So actually, I think we're gonna this is gonna be the, the much the briefer version. But look. I'm going to go to you first Nick because you'll have a forensic detail in this which was what was your favorite moment from that NRC final.
1: Oh god there was there were so many good moments it was a really that's it was a, it was a really awesome final and I thought it was really fitting of of the actual competition because throughout the competition on any day you really felt that any team could have beaten the other team. And that was, um, and you know, and when we did the when we did the podcast last week, um, it really sounded like 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 Brett and Brett and Reg and I all picked Canberra, but only because it was home ground advantage, because both of the teams were so close. Um, and what was really great, though, kind of firstly just kind of off field, was you know last year in Tamworth when New South Wales Country played Perth. You know, it, it was kind of a bit... The, the actual event itself was a bit all over the place. The, the teams came on in a weird way. You couldn't hear the national anthem. And it was kind of a bit of a weird event all up, even though the game was great. This time, down in Canberra, there was so much more promotion. There was, it was well set up. The build-up was great. And it paid off, and what was a really great game paid, um, played in front of a, a strong crowd. Like it felt like a it felt like a big event, like it felt like a um a final that really lived up to the season that we'd had, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm.
0: Cool. And so and so just to focus in though on that question though, so what was the moment of the final? So what do you say? Yeah. You're saying that at the or is it like the six months around it is your favourite moment of the final? Well,
1: no, no. Like, <laughs> well, I did have a bit, of, a bit of withdrawals this morning, but the actual game itself, <laughs> there was there was one particular player who who had really grabbed my attention when I'm um, like a few weeks beforehand when New, when Queensland Country came uh, down here to, to play the Rams, and it was the it was the winger, um, Fili- uh, Filippo Dalgunu who had played who played a really great game that day against the Rams um and what was even more amazing was like you know seeing him you know step up in this game and he ended up I think getting a hat trick and for me that last moment the kind of cuz the, the game was pretty much on a knife edge until the last 10 minutes when Country pulled away and it was really off the back of that last try that Dalgunu scored in the last 5 minutes to effectively you know it was the straw that that broke Canberra's back uh, in a sense was really you know it was a special try it was a, such an awesome individual effort so you know I, I thought that that for me that was my highlight it reminded me of the, of that try in the final that Junior Lola Wiffy scored at the end of the 2014 final when to win it for Brisbane City it was it had a shade mm-hmm. of that it was a really special try and a, like a really good moment that won it for country in the end.
0: I've got to say that um, it was last week uh, the question that Hugh and I had was as uh, the NRC come of age, and I've got to say we were sort of—I I was a bit of a doubt on Thomas there. We both did it improved but had it quite come of age. I, I thought you know the, the quality of the rugby in it was was really really excellent, um, and you, you had to say it all miles what super rugby, um, should be like. I really agreed with the comment, um, with one of the commentators who was saying how, you know, they felt that, um, it was, you know, probably something to do with the fact that, you know, we've got away with something, we've, we've removed some of the, the, um, I guess kind of non, well, you know, sort of the, was what I'm looking for, like the, the nonsensical scoring or the mm. additional rules and the stuff like that that turned it into sort of where we're trying to turn it into basketball, rugby.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it, you know, it just probably just brought back to what, you know, we expected to see, like a harder game, um, which was really great. But the, if there was a moment, and I guess like you, I'm going for a bit of a broader definition of a moment, um, it would be basically it was Duncan Payhour's whole second half.
1: Mm, yeah. He, he was
0: absolutely unbelievable. Um, what a half a rugby! You've got to say he turned that around for for, for country, um, mm. and I'm hoping that's put him on a plane to Europe because um, he certainly deserves um, some time with the Wallabies, especially you know when we clearly don't have a designated backup ten. It would be great to get him some time, but I'd never seen him play with that sort of accomplishment. Mm. Um,
1: yeah, sorry. No, I was. I just wanted to quickly butt in there just for a sec about Duncan Power because he ended up winning the 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 Phil the um, the, the medal of the, the like the grand final man of the match performance and what he's been. I've really been impressed with him the whole year because you know he, before the start of this NRC season he never really kind of stood out within the the uh, the Reds um, within the Reds pack within like the entire Reds squad. Particularly for, I mean, as a captain, um, but seeing him kind of really take on that role and make it his own, he really inspired, you know, not just the backs around him but the forwards as well. I mean, what I love about the NRC as well is that it really also keeps an emphasis on things like set piece. the the the, the battle at scrum time really was telling in the second half because Country really stepped up their game in not just in the backs but also um, at scrum time. Um, which really pushed the momentum back in their favour. So, you know, I think him, like this this uh, year for him, really kind of pushed, uh, it really pushed him to to put his best foot forward. And I think he's really done that really well. So it was a good choice.
0: Good one. Well, look, Hugh, I'm going to skip um, straight into question five with you and ask you, should we be excited about Brad Thorne taking on the Reds after his Queensland country coaching?
2: <laughs> look, I mean, I'm not one to stand in, stand in front of Reds fans getting excited for another season because God knows they need a bit of good news up there. Um, look, yeah, the honest answer is probably, you know, there's a lot to like about Brad Sewell, but I think we have a habit in Australian rugby, um, of probably getting a little bit too far ahead of ourselves with coaches. And, you know, I, I said this before on the podcast and I'll say it again but, that, you know, the, the last guy who, came out of the NRC looking great with an illustrious sort of past playing pedigree and at a good record was Nick Styles you know and and yes he probably was no Brad Thorne on the field but certainly achieved some success with Brisbane City and looked great doing it um, did his time as an assistant coach as well so you know I, I think um I think it's probably wise for Queensland Reds fans to keep things in check and we've spoken about it on the podcast before but Brad Thorne's a In an inexperienced coach, and he's achieved good results so far. But you know, let's give him a season or two to find his feet at super level, because it's a whole new ball game when you've got players for the length of time that you do as a super rugby coach, and you've got so many different facets. Squad, you've got the back office staff, you've got all of the other stuff that goes with it. So, you know, I think I think Reds fans can be cautiously optimistic about the way that. Uh, that that NRC final unfolded because look, I haven't seen it and and unfortunately haven't had a chance to watch my recording of the game yet. Um, I, w- I was gonna I'll, I'll probably do it tomorrow night. But the form of a guy like Duncan Pai Uya should should be reassuring. The form of Carmichael Hunt for the Wallabies um, is probably something you'd be happy about. Samu Karevi has seemingly rediscovered a bit of form for the Wallabies, and they've got you know a couple of guys. Floating around that forward pack as well. Tong and Thor being one who's in amazing form at the moment. And, um, and, you know, the, the evergreen Stephen Moore's even had, had a good involvement against Wales. So, the, yeah, you know, the, there's a lot to be excited about for, for Reds fans for next year. Um, and, and Brad Thorne's just, just one element, I think. Um, Matt, but, um, yeah, look, I, I think cautious optimism for, for our Queensland cousins.
0: And, and what about you, Nick? How you, what do you reckon? Should they be, uh, should they be jumping over the moon?
1: Um, well, Hugh, Hugh pretty much hit the nail on the head for me as well. I mean, it's because I what I what. There, but there is kind of one thing that I have really been impressed with about um, about Brad Thorne was because obviously everyone often when, when it came to the Queensland teams being selected always were in the early days were very much going. There's so many so many players in in Brisbane City and. Queensland Country isn't always performing very well. Um, what I've been impressed with in regards to Thorne was his ability to turn this group of players around mentally, not just like not just physically in terms of stepping up and improving their game, but mentally into genuinely believing that they could win the competition. Um, only like in the course of just one season, which is and then you know that mental element is a really important part of going forward as a coach. But that saying that, I completely agree with you. I mean, you know, Styles had two good years with Brisbane City, and it's you know it didn't turn out as, as it didn't turn out as well as we'd hoped. Um, for, well as as well as the as Reds fans would have hoped. So I mean, there's there is a lot more stuff to look forward to. You know, next year I think. Um, if thorn can really replicate that that mental belief uh in the players uh in the reds that he did for country this year i think he's potential um, he has potential we have potential for reds to the reds to have you know huge imp- uh, to see a huge improvement um but what i i pretty much agree completely with you cautious optimism very cautious optimism about uh, about how they'll go next year
0: yeah no look I think it's a shoe in uh, I see them in the finals now uh, that uh, that he's that he <laughs> that he's coached Queensland country for for a year uh, look no I don't want to sound like I would mean, look um, I don't know there seems to be a lot of big raps on him there uh, you know at, at Queensland and so it'll be fascinating to see I mean talk about you know. Um, sort of you know the fast track uh, so I'm guessing people have, have, have seen something that they really admire um, and that's what we're going to see from him so um, you know let's hope he um, well why not let's hope he can do it for the Reds um, but with that I'm going to uh, call it call it to a close guys so um, you know we can't do that we've used we're pretty much using up our podcast bandwidth with um, all these NRC podcasts uh, that have been going, <laughs> going days on end and um, so uh, SoundCloud. I mean, it's almost sending the poor buggers broke. So uh, we're going to have to rein it in. But I, I, I'm going to say um, th- thanks for coming on. Thanks for the guest appearance there, Nick, as well as your your uh, producing work.
1: Cheers, mate. All good. I'm um, looking forward to the uh, to the England game this weekend. I reckon it'll be it'll be a really tight one. Um, whether I don't, I, I pretty much agree with all of you guys. I still think England's gonna gonna bring it home, but you know, I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting with bated breath. I, I hope. I'm expect. I'm expecting a good performance, though. I reckon it'll be a tight one, too.
0: I think the guys are definitely going to be up for it, and how sweet it will be if we turn it around. Still Hugh, what will you <laughs> what What, what will you do, mate, if we win? Is, is a, is oh, a big celebration.
2: Well, look, I will be counting down the minutes until I can get on this podcast with those egg chaser boys and finally give one. I don't know what it'll be. But I think uh I don't know what you know, I'll cancel all my plans for the for whatever Monday, Tuesday I'll get up at any hour. Doesn't matter. I, that that'll be what I'll be looking forward to. Just once I want to win and get back on the air with those guys.
0: Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. My God. Um yeah, well look, I it's um two AM Sunday morning. Uh it's going to be. So yeah, that's that's, a bit, that's not a great time in the morning. I think it's going to have to try and be a, a, one, of the, one of those try your best to avoid Twitter and everything else. Is that what you did this, this Sunday morning here? Yeah, it's
2: a very civilized way to do it, I've got to say, I'm, I'm, especially for those games that, I mean, 2 a.m., it's, it's a bit tough. And, and, and so you, you record it and, and um, you can avoid pretty well those sort of um, – if you're not a social media addict, you, you can do okay. So the the key is always making sure you record the show after, because um, in the event of of an injury or something running long, you you can get caught out there. So that's a tip for all of the home viewers.
0: (laughs) Good one. All right, guys, um, great to have you on board tonight, and uh, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Leave us a review on iTunes or whatever else, um, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Heels off the top, Larkum. Herbert smashes through the middle Regan. Drop goal from Larkham Up it goes Could you believe it?
1: Larkham has to be in the beer